One of my favorite Christmas memories actually has some tension in it too, because when I was a kid, we always had to read the Bible before opening presents. And uh, when I was a kid, up until I was about 11, for some reason we opened presents on Christmas Eve. So in my memories of, of being a kid, at Christmas time, it was always dark. And oh my goodness, the living room was always magical. My grandmother, Mimi, if you're watching, you are the best Christmas tree light person I've ever seen in my life. And she had the room all right and those presents there. But then came the part that I didn't like. We would either read Luke chapters one and two, or we would read Matthew. And it seemed like it took forever because I wanted to unwrap my Transformer or G.I. Joe or whatever it was. But now that I look back, reading these passages and hearing these passages, I can still hear the voices of my family reading this. And uh, since we're together this morning, let's start out in Matthew chapter 1 and, uh, and, and read about the birth of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she found she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name Jesus. That is a classic passage, and I wanted to point a couple things out here because they were going home for Christmas. They were having to go to their ancestral home, the city of David. And here is Joseph. Here's, here he is with, with this woman he's betrothed to. I can't imagine what was going through his head at this time and what was going through his heart. But it's easy for us to miss, as, as in Western culture in the year 2022, the fact that this is communicating to Jewish background believers or people of a Jewish background that don't believe yet. That was Matthew's original audience. And this chapter, the whole thing, is absolutely jam-packed with references to the Old Testament. Uh, this message is, th these passages are a very clear shot saying, hey, we're setting the stage here to tell the story of, of not only Israel, but that this long-awaited Savior that Israel's been working and, and hoping for and yearning for, this is the story of the Chosen One, the Messiah, Jesus' birth. All these theological concepts are in there of, of, uh, of uh, uh, prophecies and other references, uh, and even concepts like the incarnation are packed here. And I love that, that we have different accounts of the story of Jesus' birth. And this one we're looking at today is from Matthew's point of view. And he tells the story from the perspective of Joseph. 
hearing that he's, he's a man who values the law and he loves God and, and didn't want to cause Mary public disgrace. He was going to, to follow the letter of the law, but he also knew about the heart of what the Jews called Torah. They knew God's heart wasn't to just follow the law so strictly so that it hurt other people. So uh, unlike Luke, who tells the story from Mary's side, we've got Matthew, and we're, we're hearing Joseph's take on this. And I think this is important for us, uh, especially in the past few years of everything we've been through, and then looking ahead towards 2023 and 2024, um, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There's a lot of tension in the world. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to elaborate. Uh, we all know this, and we, we feel it on a, on a gut level. And here is, here is Joseph um, following the letter of the He's following Scripture. Here is Joseph um, hearing from an angel. Imagine an angel shows up to you, whether it's in a dream or, or in real life, there's not many places in the Bible where, where angels show up to talk to people and they're like, oh, it's just you. No, usually there's falling to the ground. There's, oh, kill me now, I'm unworthy, kind of. Uh, like it's, it's not a, always a pleasant experience. But he receives a comforting message from heaven through this angel saying, hey, 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 Mary hasn't been unfaithful to you. Oh, what, what's going on? God caused this. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. And here is, is Joseph following what the, the scriptures tell him to do. Now he's following a direct message from God. And he's following his, his earthly authority. Caesar Augustus declared that there needs to be this census taken. Day's journey, expensive journey, very, um, very, um, what's the word? Um, inconvenient to have to take a pregnant lady, probably on a donkey, and walk miles and miles, days and days and days, so that he could comply with his earthly, earthly leaders and honor them. And I, th- I find such comfort in this, that even though it was inconvenient, even though it had to be scary and a leap of faith to obey what an angel told you to do, and even though it, was, it wasn't easy to follow the law, he had already set in his, in his mind to divorce Mary quietly. We see that God is moving. There's, there's a bigger picture. Yes, there's, there's Joseph's immediate circumstances, his relationships, his future, uh, his community, and, and then the government. But on a grander scale, we see that God is using earthly things like like Caesars. God is using, God has the the, the power of, of the heavens and supernatural at his disposal. God is using those and God is using the, the, the scripture, the text, to bring about something much bigger that Matthew's talking about. This first act of human history of Israel's redemption and Israel's exile and coming back and learning how to be God's people. Like that was act one and we're getting ready for the climax. The birth of Jesus isn't the climax. His death and resurrection is. But Matthew's setting the stage showing how God is moving, even even using Caesars, even using the wicked rulers of this earth. They're just chess pieces that God's moving all around. So here we have Joseph embracing the words of the angel regarding Mary's conception and yielding to Caesar Augustus. 
And the whole time, God was preparing a way for salvation. So let me be really clear. Even today, God's still doing the same thing. God uses both heaven and earth to accomplish his mission. God uses both heaven and earth to convey his will. Even when people feel like or are purposefully not cooperating, God can still handle that. God uses everything. So today, maybe you feel like you're in a similar place to Joseph. You don't understand your life circumstances. Maybe you've been betrayed, or maybe it looks like you've been betrayed on the surface like Joseph. Maybe you actually have been betrayed. Maybe life has thrown you just gut-wrenching circumstances in the past few months or in this past year, and you don't know where comfort is coming from. Maybe you're racked with grief and you just, you feel lost. I want to be one of the reminders for you today that to take heart, God's not finished with you. God's not finished with this country. God's not finished with this world. And this is all headed somewhere good to the end of God's plan. Things may not make sense for you right now, but hang on, my friend. Hang on. God is at work. And in this text that we looked about, from the beginning, it mentions prophecies in there that were, that were in the Old Testament prophets. And from the very beginning, Jesus fulfilled prophecies in a way that people didn't expect. They didn't expect that the, the Savior of the world, yes, he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. There were prophecies about that, but they didn't expect that he would be born basically in a, in a barn and placed in a feeding trough. And this trend of Jesus being outside of people's little box, it continued. Jesus grew up. His ministry grew. His name became more famous. He healed hundreds, thousands of people, raised the dead, uh, fed people, uh, taught in a, in a new way that people didn't even understand and talking about what the kingdom of God looks like. When God is, his rule and reign has been revealed to humans, people still assumed after after years of Jesus's ministry, that he was merely going to save Israel from Rome and he was merely going to make Israel the best nation, empire on earth. They were still thinking in human terms, but God was up to something so much bigger, so much grander, not thinking in, in terms of years or decades, but in terms of eons, millennia. And at this point, in history, Israel was lost. They'd lost their way. They had become more about just following the letter of the law. And there were a few like Joseph who, who understood that, that we had to interpret the Bible through God's heart. It wasn't just about compliance. God was after the human heart. This point of history, Rome was lost, cruel, violent, corrupt. Humanity was lost. And whether they knew it or not, they were searching for a savior. They were searching for home. And Jesus came to show people the way to their true home. Yes, home here on the planet, but their forever eternal home. And Jesus knowing this was gonna be outside of the box and even though his disciples had followed him around for almost three years at this point, there were time and time and time again where he had to prepare the disciples for what was coming. He, he knew he would have to suffer and die. 
time and time again. He had to, to, to warn them, to prepare them. And uh, my favorite scripture is in Mark where he turns to the disciples and says, are you still so dull? So I love that one. And I feel like this is one of those moments here in John chapter 14. Jesus is preparing the disciples for his, for his death and hinting at his resurrections. And he said it like this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am going. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here we have Jesus saying, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm getting your eternal home ready. And there was this custom in the Middle East. When, when uh, a groom wanted to marry a bride, he would build on to the side of his father's house. And when the, father, when the, the, the side of the father's house, this new addition, was built on the home. Then the bridegroom would come for the bride and they would get married and, and they would go and live into this new house. And it's a, a custom and similar traditions can continue even to this day. Last year, I had the privilege of going to my friend Abed's house in Palestine. And the, the house has been in his family for generations. And even to this day, his sons, uh, would build a house onto his house. And it started as this like little thing a long time ago. And he has, Abed has a huge family, so now it looks more like an apartment complex. But uh, it, the sons would build, and, and he would help his daughters build onto this house. And so Jesus is hinting at this and using very familiar language for them, saying like, I'm gonna go away, but trust me, I'm in, in my father's house there are many mansions. And there's another time where, where Jesus talks about the, the house of God, the t and he's referencing the temple, too. And that, that's a place where heaven and earth are combined. Heaven meets earth in the Jewish mindset at the, at the holy temple. And my father's house is another like colloquial way of saying it. He's saying, I'm going to my father's house where there's many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas, God bless the grumpy disciple. Uh, I, I read a little bit of grumpiness into his tone, and I have a lot of empathy for him. It's like, uh, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> How are we supposed to follow you if we don't know the directions? You know, where's, can you text me the GPS location? And Jesus says, no, 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 I am the way. Or in the original language, I'm the road. I'm the way, I'm the road. And you, you get there through me. You get there by believing in me, and intimate and um, impersonating me, just doing what I do. And that's the way to go to my father's house. And in that, in that section, he's not emphasizing the lavishness necessarily of, or opulence of the house. He's emphasizing the abundance, that there's room enough for everybody. Jesus is hinting to especially these Jewish background believers, we're gonna need more room. It's gonna be more than the Jews. I've come to redeem the Jews 
and everybody and to make a way home that people can choose to follow me back to my father's house. So there's a little bit of irony here too, that this narrow way home is available to all, but coming home sometimes feels scary. When we get used to, to being in chaos, when we get used to turmoil or anxiety, even though it's uncomfortable, for some of us, going home is intimidating because we don't know uh, how to function without drama. We don't know how to function uh, in, a, in a way that's, that's free of guilt and shame and, and sin. But Jesus says, there's room, follow me. It's an invitation. I am the way and the truth and the life. And as I was reading the scripture and thinking about going home and thinking about following Jesus home, this song kept popping up in my head. I recommend it with reservation, uh, but it's this brilliant composer and, and lyric writer, and there's a song he writes called Human. And it starts out like this, and, and I'm not gonna sing it for you, so don't worry, you don't have to turn the volume down. It goes like this. He starts out, I always fear that I'm not living right, so I feel guilty when I go to church. The pastor tells me I've been saved, it's fine. And then the next line is, so please explain to me why my chest still hurts. And the song talks about how he's going through life with money, going through life with the creature comforts. And he, but he describes the tension of being human. He's still broken and he knows it. And he, he doesn't know the way home. He says, I've, my mom calls me, I've got no time to talk, but I can still find the time to do other stuff that I know is bad for me. And it ends, the song ends with, I've got GPS on my phone so I can follow it to tell me how I, how I can get home. But tell me, why do I still feel lost? I think that's such an accurate description of someone who knows about Jesus, is going to church, but there's, there's a, a way that we can know the right things, we can even believe the right things, but if we're not following the way, we're just wandering. Maybe we're trying to do it on our own. We're trying, maybe we're trying to earn things, salvation on our own, or trying to earn worth and value by our performance, or always being the good boy or the good girl. Unless we're following Jesus, we're going to feel lost. And it doesn't matter how good the GPS is on your phone. We feel lost when we're trying to figure out life by our own way and own rules. Everybody has a way. Everyone has their own law whether you know it or not. And when you set your direction by your own compass, you will put yourself on the path to destruction. Jesus's bold statement, I am the way and the truth and the life. Like if we follow Jesus, we go to what he came to, we go towards what he meant for us. John 10, 10 says, I've come to give life and give it in abundance or the way Eugene Peterson puts it, I've give, come to give you a more full and better life than you've ever dreamed of. And there's enough of this to go around. There's enough for everybody. Everyone has the choice and the chance to answer Jesus' invitation to come home. And I use that word on purpose. Jesus is, I don't think he would challenge us to come home and to follow him. It's an invitation. 
Invitation that still extends, not just to his disciples, but to you and me. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Our culture says, would say, many voices in our culture would say, that's arrogant. No, it's not just about Jesus. All religions are equal. How dare he say something like that? Okay, maybe we'll give him the good teacher stuff. We really like the loving our enemies part, even though that's really hard to do, but, but we'll just set aside these statements that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father without me. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. All paths lead to God. All, all religions are equal. No, if you just examine them all, they're not all saying the same thing, and they lead to much different places. If we set aside Jesus' claim, we actually lose not only John's gospel, we lose Matthew's gospel, we lose the entire New Testament with its claim on God's story. And I don't think it's arrogant of him to say at all that he is the way and the truth and the life. I mean, just look at what we have in the text. Look at Jesus and what he did and how he lived. The Jesus that stands weeping over his best friend's tomb, serving others. The Jesus who washes feet, takes the place of a servant. The Jesus we see in scripture is running after those who are lost and broken and hurting and downtrodden and taken advantage of, pursuing them and standing up for them. A Jesus that loves humanity so much to suffer death on a cross. It doesn't look like the behavior of an arrogant person to me. And this is a person who claimed that he was God in human flesh. He was God's son. So either he was right or he was a lunatic, as, as C.S. Lewis says, because sane people don't claim to be God. And he's inviting you to follow him today. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe life has knocked you down and you're in the ditch and you feel like you can't even stand up. I want to invite you. If you've never followed Jesus, take the first step. The scripture says if we believe with our mouths and confess, confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. But maybe you're not ready for that. Maybe someone sent you this link or the, the algorithm just brought it up in your feed and you're checking this out. You can try to follow Jesus on your own, in your own strength. And if that's the first step for you, I, I, go for it. But you'll find that you need a lot of help. You need a lot of help. So maybe the first step for you is saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe in my heart that you are who you said you were, and I'm confessing it with my mouth, but please give me your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you. Help me to find the people, and we would love to be those people if you message us. If this is your first step towards following Jesus, please reach out to us. But you can't do it on your own. Or maybe... You found you knew the way once, but you've wandered. You know that, that the direction of your life is not towards God's dream for your life. If that's you, and you're hearing Jesus' invitation right now to come follow him, the really good news is that the right way is closer than you think. 
Don't just, you know, so many times in my teenage years or in my early 20s, I would think, oh, I've fallen off track and I've fallen off the road. So, well, I'm already in the pit. I might as well like roll around and get muddy before I get cleaned up and get on the path. Don't be like, don't be like me. But God's redemption is closer than you think. God's mercies are new every morning. And right now, I want to challenge you to get back on the road. And no matter how long we travel, we could be, I love the saying from the recovery movement, you could be 10 miles down the road, but 10 feet from the ditch. If you're on the path and things are hard for you, if you're on the path and maybe you're facing a temptation or maybe you're facing a really difficult challenge in your life, keep following Jesus. The people in your life may be saying, no, no, that's not, you get an excuse. Your life is so hard. Cut a few corners. Tell a few white lies. No, just get ahead and, and get out of this and then fix it later. My friend, hang on. Don't give up. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his way is the way that leads to life and life more abundantly. And don't accept any counterfeit of that because it leads to destruction. So uh, today, the invitation is follow Jesus. Are you going to follow your own path? Are you going to follow everyone else's path that's around you, the way our culture and our world says that we need to live? Or are you going to trust Jesus and follow him as the way and the truth and the life? Let's pray. Father, we point our hearts towards you and ask that you would give those of us that are struggling to find our way, will you please be our light and light our path like your, like your word says that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, strengthen those of us that are just barely hanging on. Help us to, to realize that home is with you, that home is, is in your presence. And I pray that you would just give comfort to everyone who's hurting right now, everyone who needs healing. Would you please, as only you can do, make yourself real to them and make yourself real to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making a way for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you. Hope you have a great week. And until we're together again, may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and smile on you. And may God give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.